Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the official podcast of ASBO International. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell, here along with the esteemed John Bricado. As you all know it, I got to figure out how I got that. It just sounds so catchy though, right? <laughs> I like we're really on cloud nine right now, though, I must say, John, because not only do we have a really great episode here, but we're now utilizing this new HD sound and you guys are going to love it. But with that, yeah. our partnership has also kicked off with Asthma International. We're happy to be here and John, take it away as you normally do. Yeah, so we try to be as topical as possible, and I think we've really nailed it today. We have PKF O'Connor Davies. We have three representatives on today to speak to us about GASB 87, what they're seeing in the auditing industry, what's trending with school districts, and really what we can do as business officials to prepare moving forward, especially with GASB 94 and 96 coming up for the fiscal year end of 22-23. So we have a really great conversation, a lot of really good information, and we hope you enjoy it today. So here's our interview with PKF O'Connor Davies. Today on the podcast, we have Matt McCrossan, Melissa Sotts, and Brian Peterson, all from PKF O'Connor Davies, LLP. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you on. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Happy to be here. John, Dr. Jack, thank you. This is really nice here because for one, it's a reunion, Matt, if you will, offhand because of us in in, the partnership, not partnership, the work that you've done here for my district years prior, just having us keep keeping a relationship through the years. And of course, on the second coin of everything, it's the Gatsby 87 and how huge this is for a lot of our colleagues all across. And for us, John, and being here doing this podcast, really appreciate you coming on. So once again, thanks to you all. Yeah. And um, Matt, you, you, your firm is in both of our districts and we have a strong working relationship. So we know the team here, but Matt, could you take a moment and maybe introduce your team a little bit further? Sure. Thank you. Thank you, John. And good to see you again, Dr. Jack. It's, it's really great to get more acquainted Absolutely. with you. And I recall our work at the Spring at the Valley Stream 24. Folks, just quickly, all of many of PKF O'Connor Davies in terms of our work at school districts, and we're delighted to have about 70, 70 school district clients in the tri-state area from New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. Yes, it is sizable. And wow. with that growth, quite honestly, has occurred quite a bit in the last 10 years, mostly through a series of mergers, acquisitions of firms from Florida up to Boston. I myself am on the advisory services side of the firm. I do spend a lot of time in the government services sector, mostly around review of internal controls, special organizational and operational type reviews, if you will. I'm delighted though uh, this uh, today to have uh, with me two of our partners uh, in the practice, Melissa Zott, um, has been in the um, government services area for about 15 years, including uh, clients that are in cities, towns, villages, uh, counties, and of course, school districts. Melissa is a member of GASB, as you'd expect, but she's also a member of the Special Review Committee of GASB. Further, folks, I have Brian Peterson with me today. Brian is a veteran partner, about 18 years out of our Long Island office. He serves in terms of the State Society as Vice Chair of Government Accounting and Auditing Committee. Folks, we're pleased again to be part of this. And I guess at this point, as I understand it, John, you'd you'd wish to pose an, an array of questions to, to us. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for those introductions. And yes, thanks, Matt. If I'm not mistaken, Melissa, you recently became partner. So congratulations. Thank you. On that yes, as well. in January. That's great news. Thank you so much. 
And thank you, Matt, for the introduction. So this is know exactly who Brian and who Melissa are and what they do for your firm. And with that, and kicking things off here, to get even more acclimated and gain a sense of GFK and basically what you guys do, I, for either of you want to answer, as far as what does your firm provide school districts, maybe in a macro overarching type of answer here. And in particular, I want to know, because we, we do audits primarily, why do you think audits are constantly evolving? I'll answer the first part of it, Dr. Jack, if that's okay. In addition to what you know about us in terms of auditing school districts and other governmental entities, we also perform compliance audits regarding uniform guidance and program special specific audits. We also provide internal audit services to districts. We provide advisement on payroll and tax matters. We perform 403B and 457 plan compliance reviews. We provide assistance counsel regarding employee benefit plans in terms of reviewing plans and compliance with government requirements and other changes that might be envisioned for those plans. We do audits of deferred compensation programs and assistance regarding implementation of GASB standards, and we'll be spending time in a minute on 87, but we spent many years working with assistance on GASB 34, and issues around organizational and operational type engagements, where you look critically at the performance of certain tasks or duties or departments within a school district. And I'll pause and ask my colleagues to comment on that second question, if you would, gentlemen, in terms of the auditing. Yeah, audits are constantly evolving. They have been. I think a main proponent of that is the fact that technology is constantly evolving. It really has advanced exponentially. It's really modernized the audit experience and streamlined the audit process. I remember when I first started audit, I had to print out manual work papers, keep them in a physical binder, to be reviewed. I don't know if you remember wow. those. Yeah. <laughs> That's something else. I don't know if you remember those paper hole reinforcements, but I used to have a bunch of those in my backpack. So yeah. the, I don't even yeah. think we have them in the storage closet the anymore. Standard equipment for an auditor. <laughs> yeah. We had colored pencils. I had to physically mail out stamped envelopes with confirmation requests. And then now it's really even hard to imagine having to do those similar tasks today. Mostly everybody has access to their emails on their phone, or they can log into their emails remotely to access them, which could be good or bad with the amount of work that we do. But it's so much easier to get information now. We use confirmation.com to access the third-party banks, and that really allows us to get those responses within a day or two, much quicker turnaround time than using the snail mail. It's also possible now to take all of the data and utilize technology to aid in spotting anomalies or unusual trends. And with the newer auditors who join the profession, I can see that they have difficulty understanding what the old process entailed. But it's really an exciting time because they can provide so much, these new audit professionals, they can provide so much insight into the future and offer ideas that are more out of the box. We can it's, really it's leverage making your jobs a little easier too, because you're not having to manually file, rifle through documents and papers and things and making the job just a little bit more nimble, I would assume. Exactly. Yeah. You talked about what your firm does in terms of auditing and kind of along the, in the same vein as how things are trending and evolving, especially in New York, the state comptroller has really focused on fiscal management and fund balance and 
is jump from subject to subject, IT being one of them. But what we're seeing more recently is a mental health training audit. And are school districts actually doing that? Are they partaking in those kind of trainings with their staff? Do you see this continuing or where do you really see the weakness that's growing with these kind of audits? Yes, I think it's important to provide some background, maybe, of the State Controller's Division of Local Government and School Accountability. They conduct performance audits, and these are mainly to improve the financial management of these local governments and school districts and just to provide some accountability and transparency to taxpayers. These performance audits can really cover many areas, program effectiveness, internal control, some compliance areas, and they do a risk assessment process. And I don't know, Brian, if you can speak to the risk assessment. Yeah, with my experience with the OSC, they come in and they're going to do a risk assessment over the operations, HR, IT, all those particular items. And their focus is obviously different than what our financial statement audit focus would be. We would come in and we would do a risk assessment based off of the risks to the numbers, where they're going and they're taking a look at the risks throughout the operations and compliance with various types of laws. So, you know, when they do that risk assessment, they're looking for those holes. So in this particular case, obviously with the new mental health training, requirement, they focused on that because that was a new requirement. And so that popped up as a risk. And that's why you can see the trend increasing. Looking forward, you really got to think about what's new. We have a a lot of the CARES money that came through. So they might be looking more along those lines in the future as far as what was your, what was your, did you have your program guide? Did you Mm -hmm. write your handbook? Did you file everything on time? Those are new items that pop up and that might be an area where the OSC might focus on. But again, we're not the OSC. We don't know. They tend to come up with these particular items and we don't even know where they come from. There was the extra classroom activity a few years ago. And like you said, the fund balance and now the mental health. But the idea is having your internal auditors going through the process as well, just to make sure, do we have everything covered? When you're doing these podcasts and what is new, what's on the horizon, just make sure you got everything planned correctly to make sure everything's in place and operating efficiently when these new guidances come into effect. Certainly, Brian. Oh, good. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I I would agree with Brian. I think also what's been in the conversation recently is the ESG conversation. So it's Mm -hmm. the environmental, social, and governance policies. I know that's been a key focus. And the three factors. The environment is more about climate risk or other envi- other environmental factors, the long-term social factors and governance issues. School districts are promoting ESG in their curriculum and programs. Um, the case for school districts to adopt ESG is slowly growing to increase social responsibility in schools. So that could be a possible area that the state controllers goes into. But again, as Brian said, it's really difficult to know which direction they're going to head in. Of course, we got to get them one. Actually, I know of Ira McGrath. I'm going to have to reach out to him. We'll get him one. Yeah. What, I guess, to either you here, um, what type of trends? And you spoke to some things that they could be looking into, but more so trends in the school district auditing industry. Overall, any adjustments there that are stemming from the pandemic? And I guess, what do you believe might be in store for the short term, maybe long term future? So I've received some questions and had some adjustments in my audits pertaining to the recognition of revenue, specifically related to this pandemic funding that local governments have received. Mm. Essentially, revenue should be recognized when those allowable expenditures have been incurred. 
And if you've received monies in advance, that would essentially stay on your balance sheet as unearned until those expenditures have been incurred. And sometimes that can be tricky for for some entities. Melissa, what are the types of revenues that might pose that question during the pandemic? There was the American Rescue Plan Act and then the Coronavirus Response and Relief Supplemental Appropriations, which essentially provided all of your CARES monies that, that the school districts received. And we also had the supply chain assistance for the school lunch fund. A lot of districts yes. had received those funds, but there was criteria. They can only be spent on certain items. So you have to make sure that you had the backup for the expenditures that was incurred and then defer whatever was left. A lot of the districts got that in, in March, April, May. So they obviously they weren't able to spend all of it before the end of the fiscal year. And I think what's important to keep in mind is that the state controller's office does a pretty good job with issuing technical bulletins on various accounting topics that are current. So definitely keep an eye out on the notifications. We also provide bulletins out as well, but specifically to the pandemic-related funding, they issued one in October, which is nice because it provides example journal entries or example transactions, and it gives you specific codes to use. So those are really helpful. Thanks. Thank you. All right. And if I could just add you know, your other part of your question there, as far as what's in store for the future, what's stemming from this pandemic, we've seen a lot of turnover in the districts yeah. lately. And with this you know, pandemic, there has been a lot of retirements as well. So we, we see a, a lot of brain drain going on in the particular business offices and the accounting offices. And we're concerned. But we know everybody's stepping up and trying to get everything done that they can. That's one thing where you might want to look into the future as far as maybe supplementing some of those shortages with a third-party group, bringing in a contractual accountant that can bring in that additional expertise that, that you've lost until your staff can get up to par. Sure. Definitely. sure. That's great, good practice there. And that's something we've actually done. Thank you for putting it out there. Yeah. And I wanted to ask too, from your standpoint, as a result of the pandemic, are you seeing a lot of districts trend towards electronic records rather than filing papers away? And if so, is that making your life easier or more difficult as maybe districts trend towards (laughs) electronic record keeping? Definitely easier, I would think. I have seen a trend. I think it's hard to, you get so much paper in, it's hard to have the time not only to do your daily job, but then also have time to scan everything in. I think some places have hired interns for the summer to help with that moving from paper to paperless. But ultimately, if you could get invoices in electronically, then that kind of saves you time as well. Makes sense. Yeah. I've okay, also heard so- some districts. I've also heard some districts looking into softwares to streamline the PO process electronically, getting yeah. all those electronic authorizations done to hopefully produce less paper. I know I've been pushing my business office to move towards electronic methods of. Uh, our operation, but I'm being met with some resistance. Baby steps. We'll get there. (laughs) Change is hard. (laughs) It is. It really is. Absolutely. All right. So the big reason we brought you on today is to speak to GASB 87. A lot of districts, all districts are having to deal with that. And I think based on our, our preliminary conversations, many districts have waited until the last minute. So there's a little bit of panic, a little bit of uncertainty. So can you tell us about GASB 87 and how school business officials and their districts can be compliant. And then once you go through that, could you offer any insight on 94 and 96 upcoming? 
Yeah, so if I can get started with that. GASB 87, as we all know, is effective for the 630-2022 year. And and a lot of districts really misunderstood. They thought it was all those, only the copier leases that they pretty much had in their districts. <laughs> and it wasn't material. But in, in reality, it, it included other types of transactions and a lot of districts to look at the revenue side too. When you have, when you're a lessor, you also have to account for 87. Yes. And so, you know, that definitely put like some delays in there and it's a work in progress. We know that we might have some, hopefully everybody gets done for this particular year, but yes, we might probably might have find some new leases and have to adjust with next year's numbers. The best way for the district to be in compliant is in essence to secure a software company to calculate these particular types of numbers. And yes, it's an added cost, but it doesn't seem to be a significant cost at all. And I would almost equate it to the fact that you're when you process your OPEB report, you're going out for an actuary and you're paying for that expertise to process this particular report. And these kinds of calculations can get that complex. They really can. So that's why we say use the software companies. We've had districts use a so- software company and at the end, the number ended up not being material. Okay. So they passed on it. But how do you know? until you actually do the calculation. You ha- you have to do the calculation to really determine if you have a material or transaction that needs to get recorded. And that being said, we talk about there there are some great softwares out there. A lot of them offer tutorials, of course, that you can view, and I would definitely recommend that. And you also want to make sure that you ask these software companies what they're doing for GASB 96, because a lot of the software that we thought we didn't need right now ultimately between 87 and 96, we're going to need it because the same software that's processing our numbers for 87 is ultimately going to be the same software that we're going to utilize to process the numbers for GASME 96, which brings me into 96. So in 94, 94 is in essence just an expansion of 87 and the same thing with 96 and has to do with public-private, public-partnership agreements, what they call PPPSs. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That are lease-like. So think of it as a government contract with an operator to provide public services by conveying control of the right to operate or use a non-financial asset, such as an infrastructure or capital asset, for a period of time for, in essence, an exchange or exchange-like transactions. We don't think school districts are really going to have any issues with 94. We don't think there's really kind of any contracts there that would fall underneath that guidance. But obviously, as additional information continues to come out on 94, that might change. Really, we want to focus on 96. 96 is subscription-based information technology arrangements. So when I think about these types of arrangements between the IT and the end users being the governments, I'm thinking things like Envision, the accounting where base, you have a subscription. Okay, that is a right-to-use subscription asset. Just like with 87, we had a right-to-use lease asset. So now we're going to have a right-to-use subscription asset. I see. So this is where that you see the similarities between 87 and 96, and this is where that software is going to come into play. So before, you only might only had three or four transactions you had to keep track of with these leases. Now, I'm sure coming up, you probably don't even know all of the actual subscription-based IT agreements that you have for your particular district. You're really going to have to get your IT people and in, in started on gathering those particular contracts and what they are. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like and 96 it, is going to be much heavier of a lift 
than 87 yes. because technology is so integrated yeah, in what we're doing. Co- yeah. Correct, correct. And you think about, well, you can have leaseware, Adobe, Microsoft, mm-hmm. those. So you have to you have to be careful. Some of them are purchased and some of them are, are leased. So that's going to, we'll probably end up coming out with a training on that in a few months as well, just to make sure. But, and I know a lot of these software companies are already working on implementing that to make sure that they can get these calculations done for the districts as well. My last word of advice that I would have is don't wait as long as as you guys did for 87. Don't make sure you're, you're, yeah, get the meetings together with the IT people and really start to get them to list all these subscriptions. And in GASME 96, is that going to be starting June 23? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's only a year away. Correct. Yeah. So for those of you listening, don't wait. And a lot of the software companies, depending on the time frame of the year, you can provide them the information and they're going to input all the data for you. So if you wait to the last minute, they're going to be like, oh, you have to input your own data. So you have to, you might want to take advantage of it while you can, and it'll be less of a burden on your accounting staff. And I just have one question before mm-hmm. we jump into the next one. Melissa, maybe this is more for you because you are a member of GASB, but where the hell does all this come from? Is it just people in a room coming up with new ideas and how we have to report the same information over and over? I'm just, excuse my naivety, but I'm just curious. Do you have any insight on where it. these different GASBs are coming from? Well, they're trying to assess the financial reporting, trying to make it clear to the everyday constituent who might pick up these financials, but ultimately... That's, I think, the goal. We they just reached 101 with compensated absences. So who knows how far it will how far it will go. So there's not a number cap then. We can't. I wish there was. Sometimes I when I hear of a retirement for Gasby, I actually like I clap. Maybe that's one like one less person that's gonna come up with another Gasby. We need a break. We all need a break. You know, there's been a lot of Gasbys coming out, and it's very hard to keep up with all of them. Uh, John, if it gives you some. Helpful advice. You're not being harassed. It's uh, the issue is it's becoming, Gatsby is becoming more commercialized. Our friends on the commercial side have been doing this type of comprehensive reporting on, mm-hmm. on, on leases and never mind compensated absences many years ago. So my sense is it's becoming, they're emulating the more commercial world, quite honestly. All right. So I, we're I just behind the curve. People have been suffering with this long, far longer than we have. So it's our turn. Well, some people, some people. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So many challenges being faced for me. I want to know, and I guess our listeners too, nowadays, what do you guys think are some of the biggest challenges that are faced now when conducting audits? Yeah, as previously mentioned, I think the biggest significant challenge that we see today is going to be the increased turnover within the business office. And then combined with implementing these new GASBs, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be tough to to do. We anticipate school districts potentially not being prepared for their audits. So as Brian mentioned, start as early as possible to, pr- to prepare. Sure. Sound advice. Thank you. Yeah. And I will say, as time goes on, we are seeing more retirements and not enough qualified business officials to backfill those Mm -hmm. retirements. And I think a trend that I'm starting to notice are CPAs and auditors jumping into the school business office and business official role. So Brian, Melissa, or Matt, maybe we'll see you in a neighboring district. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather have my job, John, than you. I used to be a CFO and I rather, I like it better now on my side. Yeah. Nice. We always offer our guests an opportunity to give our listeners some advice and we have seasoned business officials. We have brand new business officials. So I'd like it 
to open it up to the three of you, what's the best single piece of advice that you could offer to anyone in the field, new or veteran? I'll just say I, I happen to be uh, in my other life, I'm chair of two audit committees in the nonprofit world, and and I'm on one. I'm on. I'm also on the on an audit committee. I have a meeting after this on a publicly traded company. I think the key, quite honestly, um, John and Dr. Jack, is the issue of preparation for the year-end audit. I really mean it. When I first got involved with some of these audit committees, they were constantly late in terms of untimely reporting after year-end and all that, and it really required not complicated technical issues, quite honestly, but better planning two or three months before year-end as to a specific timeline, who's going to do what, assigning responsibilities and due dates, and also, quite honestly, having my independent auditors sign off as to receiving documents because I found that there was too much finger pointing between independent auditors and clients as to who was doing what. And it's been a successful process the last few years, but it wasn't a complicated issue. It's in my situation, it was really much more better uh, planning without being onerous, without being crazy about it. But I'd want to hear from Brian and Melissa on your side. If you don't have a checklist already of all of the documents you'll need for the audit, definitely create one. And if you're in a place where you're a new business official, you don't necessarily know what those documents would be, reach out to your auditors early and ask them, can you provide me a list of everything you'll need for the audit? And that way you can, as Matt said, assign responsibility put deadlines of when you want things done, meet with them every week or every other week with your team, make sure they have any questions, you can answer it early, and that will help help with the ease of the audit. And not to interrupt, but I think it's a good point because even though like your firm doing external audits is once a year, but that doesn't mean you're only reachable once a year. You make yourselves available throughout the year if there's ever questions that pop up. Absolutely. Yeah. All year long, I always say we're a partnership with our school districts. Any technical questions that come up during the year, I'd much rather talk about it before the audit and get any questions resolved at that point. Nice. Wow. This is really great. Yeah. And the only thing I can add to that is for the business officials to assess their offices and determine what might have, what they once had, they don't have anymore. Mm -hmm. So as far as the particular skill and knowledge that might have been retired or moved on, that they try to plug those particular holes. Don't wait to the to the end of the year. And if there's a temporary need, reach out to various firms that are willing to come in and and assist the districts in their compliance and, and getting things up to date. We've served as temporary school business official for interims as well for various districts. We've come in and assisted them in closing the year-end books and preparing their financial statements, assisted in, in capital compliance with the capital projects funds and then getting those. those. And they, they could be very complex. And sometimes it's just, it's a lot on one person as they're trying to manage the accounting office as well as trying to get all these high-end entries done. Definitely. Awesome. Matt, Melissa, Brian, thank you all for your time today. This has been incredibly informative and we're excited to get this out to our listeners. I'm sure we'll be hearing much more from you and Gasby, and maybe we'll get up to 150, 200, who knows? I don't know. But <laughs> In our lifetime, right? Okay. Yeah, but thank you all again. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yes. Thanks thank for your time. you. Appreciate thank it. you all. Thank you everyone again for tuning in. 
We hope you got a lot of this conversation. I know that we did. We learned a lot about 87, mm -hmm. the importance of being prepared and getting ready. And I think we'll be in a much better position coming up for 96. Yeah, I have to add here that my firm actually says I contract with a firm to do the financials and help us close the books four times out the year. So we do a check-in oh, because you want to just see that you're on pace. And then by the time the half of the year, as you start building this up, we have that checklist in place. That's very important. But I think we learned, my district, I'd say, several years ago that waiting until the last minute, especially now, there's so much more. Every time there's a new Gatsby, right? It just makes it very difficult to get those financials on time. We all know October, we got to get it up to SED. We all know we're going to be compliant right. there with our boards and our order committees. And then I'd also say that, you know, what they did, John, they landed all of our listeners just the idea of how complex this could be, just a budding, budding little piece. So right. we need to get a software company on. I'm going to be digging on that today and having them talk about how important that is to really get your numbers in line. And of course, too, I'm going to talk to Ira McCracken over at the OSC. Yeah. Talk to them about more, more changes in that end as well. So this is a really good episode to spur for more stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. We hope to see you at Asbo International in Portland. Yes. Next week. We'll, we'll talk to you next week.